Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio with us today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your Super Talk Mississippi app and your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. But today, I want you to take your browser over to supertalktv.com. You can watch good things on your computer or your mobile device, and you'll see I'm not alone. I have Miss Sarah Hickner. She is author of Stories from the Barn Isle, Real-Life Tales of Humor and Grace from a Horse-Obsessed Girl. So welcome, Sarah. Welcome. Can you hear me? Rebecca, I think my sound is messing up. Something is blipping. Okay, well, we will let you figure that out if you want to. We will make those technical difficulties. You know, um, technology is great until it's not, but we want to make sure that we are able to share uh, your story. I know Rhino is definitely going to get get to working on that. Um, But, yeah, you can head on over to supertalktv.com. You can see Sarah. She'll wave to you if you want to do it that way. Can you hear me, Sarah? I can hear you now. It sounds like it's good. Sounds like it's good. All righty. Well, we're going to rock and roll. Most yep. most kids dream of getting a pony or a horse, Sarah. I was one of those little girls that begged my daddy for one. Sadly, it didn't work out. But when did you first get connected with horses? Well, as you said, uh, I was one of those girls who begged my daddy. I wanted one for as long as I could remember. And I think I was in about fifth grade when I first got to, like, be around horses aside from pony rides at the fair. Was that you owning one and getting to learn how to ride, or were you just connected to horses in another way? So that's actually the very first story in my book, Stories from the Barn Isle. It was my great aunt. Uh, Her daughter, who I guess that would make her my cousin, had a horse, and my cousin had moved off, grown up, and left the horse behind, and the horse was at least 30 years old and my great aunt found out that I had the horse bug and so she took me out to see this very very ancient horse and her very ancient horse friends and neither of us knew what we were doing my great aunt was not a horse person it had been her husband's thing and her daughter's thing so we were just out there blind leading the blind and I was in heaven it was incredible so let's fast forward to you were at Mississippi College on scholarship. What were you planning to study? What was your what was your proposed plan for life? My proposed plan was to go to vet school. So I was there as a biology major taking all of the pre-vet courses, which was it's the same as pre-med courses, and I had a very clear mapped plan to to finish as a biology major and then go to Auburn for vet school because they have a huge equine department and I was going to be very responsible. (laughs) Well, 
you took a turn. You kind of turned that responsibility upside down, like a lot of young adults <laughs> do. And I think that's fine. That's the time. That's the time of life that you should mm-hmm. be taking your risk and doing and following your dreams. And what was your dream? That's that's exactly what I decided. I said, you know what? I only get one chance. Once I grow up and have a family, I can't just like chase wild hairs like this. My dream since junior high had been to gallop race horses at the racetrack. And in Mississippi, there's not any racetracks. And so I didn't know a whole lot about it. And I just knew that the Kentucky Derby was at Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky. And so I thought I need to be in Kentucky. That's where the racehorses are. And so I wanted to, I gave up my scholarship at Mississippi College. My parents were pretty upset with me, um, but I just said, I really want to do this. I want to chase this dream. And so I transferred to the University of Louisville so that I could gallop racehorses while I was in college. For those of us not in the horse world, Sarah, what does gallop racehorses mean? Does it mean you race them? Do you get them ready? What does that mean? That's Yeah, that's a very good question because it is, I know it's very confusing to non-horse people. So to gallop race horses, just like any athlete who runs, a horse needs to exercise every day. And so a jockey is the person who rides them in the races, but the gallopers are the people who show up every morning before the sun is up to exercise the race horses. And it's a really special job because these horses are on average three years old. And so you're riding a baby and not only are they three years old, but they live in stalls all day. They don't get to go out into a field and burn energy. And so it is, it's a pretty dangerous job. It's actually one of the most dangerous jobs in America. Um, but so you go every morning and you're just galloping the racehorses. So you're like the the little pony's personal trainer, but also kindergarten teacher, like all in one. You're teaching them manners, but also giving them their exercise. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. It is actually quite scary. <laughs> um, I lost you for a second, so I may have missed something. But it is really scary because when you think about it, not only are they three years old, but these horses are raised bred everything to compete against each other. And so when you're galloping down the backside at Churchill Downs, it's not one or two horses at a time. It's 50, 75, 100 horses galloping around a track. And you're like, if it reminds me of, I live outside of DC now, it reminds me of traffic on I-95. It's insane. And everyone is flying. And then suddenly, you know, if one car shoots over, it could kill somebody. And so that's what galloping racehorses was like, was driving in insane traffic very fast. And if you make one wrong move, you could get someone really hurt or killed. And so that was probably the hardest thing for me was I I didn't want to be responsible for anyone getting hurt. But it's a very cool experience. And I'm grateful that I did it. So how long did you gallop racehorses before you realized, okay, maybe my love of horses can look different for the rest of my life? (laughs) Well, so that's, I'm actually working on a memoir about that. Um, I had been galloping for about two weeks when I had a really bad accident. And to be honest, I, I figured, I told my mom, I was like, I know at some point I would have had an ambulance ride during my two years in Kentucky. Um, I had a very mapped out plan because even though I was following a wild hair, I knew that, you know, after my two years, so it was my junior and senior year of college. Once those were done, I was going to go back and be responsible. And I was planning to go to vet school still. And 
And so I just, but it was, it was very shocking that two weeks in, um, and it was not my fault. It wasn't a rider error. It was just the horse had a really bad fall and we somersaulted down the track. And so it really changed everything for me. And that's part of where my riding journey started was because I had that. And then on the heels of that accident, when we were tumbling, the horse kicked me in the face. I'm in a new town. I don't know anybody. I'm in the emergency room all day. My life is turned upside down. And then two weeks later, my horse that I had taken with me to Kentucky got stolen. And so... Who steals a horse? Right? Uh, I think I know who stole him. We still don't really know. Um, But I think it was someone who was trying to kind of get me out of their life a little bit. I'm not sure. But it was very shocking. I mean, I I went through two days of just... I was determined my husband... my husband, who's my boyfriend at the time, kept saying, he, someone stole him. And I said, no, no, who would steal a horse? He just got loose. He's running around Kentucky somewhere. <laughs> He's just off in the hills. I don't know. And I went door to door. So my face is all bashed in. And I'm going door to door in this. The The property he was living was, it was a big horse property, but it was settled into an equestrian neighborhood. And so, acres. And I went door to door knocking saying, hey, I've lost my horse. Have you seen him? Uh, I went to horse sales. I went to horse shows. I went everywhere I could think of. Um, Because at first, I was just convinced he had gotten loose. And then I realized he he didn't get loose. Someone has him. And so then I was, like, tracking him down. Did you ever find him? What was his name? Well, we're experiencing a few more technical difficulties with... Sarah Hickner, we're going to try to get her on the phone so we can finish our conversation after uh, the break here on Good Things. But what a cool thing. I re- remember distinctly wanting to have that horse life. So if you got to grow up with ponies or horses in your own family, I think that's a really cool, uh, you know, way to have a childhood, right? Like you get to go out and you have your responsibilities with horses, just like if you grew up with cows or anything else. And they teach you a lot of life lessons, which I know she has turned into her book, which is Barn Isles, Real Life Tales of Humor and Grace from a Horse Obsessed Girl. Again, our guest today is Sarah Hickner. She is a Mississippi girl, but she's out living her horse life. We're going to try to get her on the phone during the break. So stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. Don't forget you can 
listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm and on your Supertalk Mississippi app. We're continuing our conversation today with Miss Sarah Hickner. She is the author of Stories from the Barn Isles, Real-Life Tales of Humor and Grace from a Horse-Obsessed Girl. Sarah, sorry for all the technical difficulties, but I think we got you on the phone now, so we are just going to make sure we can share the rest of your story. And you were sharing the story about uh, the fact that your horse got stolen. How long were you in Kentucky after leaving Mississippi College when your world started to spiral? Was it really only a few weeks, or had you been there a little bit longer? It really was about two weeks. Like, I think (laughs) I... That's not funny, but that's awful. I know. It was pretty... It was was insane. And so that's what... I mean, I've really been diving into it in my memoir and editing and re-editing. And even going back, I just think, wow, I can't believe all of this happened, and I survived it. (laughs) You did survive it. Did you find your horse? What was his name? I did find my horse. His name was Gideon, and the memoir is actually going to be called Finding Gideon because um, it is, it's a combination of the search for Gideon, my horse, but then also the search for, for your faith because in the process of it all, you know, I grew up in, a, in church um, with a very, very strong Christian family, and I really felt like, you know, as I went off to Kentucky to taste the stream, I felt like it was a real faith journey, and then to be just a couple weeks into it, and it all crashed, and it just felt like everything that I cared about had fallen apart. And so um, it's finding my faith in the middle of it, too, and figuring out, like, where is God's goodness in this journey of of everything falling apart. And so um, so it really just became this full full circle story about finding Gideon. Well, and also, I mean, it, it feels like some pieces fell together. I know you're now married. You have two beautiful children. You still didn't come yes. back to Mississippi. Shame on you. That's okay. That's for your mother. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm back. We're not there yet. So things had to at least work out uh, as they should have, as, as they often do, Sarah. So where did the, I guess, inspiration to take all of your lessons learned in the barn and with horses and turn them into your current book? Well, so it, it all started, again, like, I, I came back when I moved to Virginia. I was in church, and I just really felt like God was telling me to write the story from Kentucky. And I was fighting it. I was like, I, I don't want to write. I'm not a writer. I have other things that I want to do with my life. But I just kept going over and over, and it's like, consistently for months, God was like, write the story. And so I sat down and started working on the memoir. And I worked on it off and on for about 10 years. And then two years ago, I said, okay, it's time to get serious about this. And so I started consistently working on it. And then in the process of just research and learning, and I really wanted to, to develop my craft as a writer because I was learning more and more about the process of writing and creating books that people can't put down. And so I thought, let me do a book for practice. And that's the story from the barn owl was born. It started out just a But in the process, I remembered, I went back to, as a kid, before I had horses in my life, I lived vicariously through reading horse books. And so I wanted to channel those horse books and the things that I loved about them. And so one of the things was I learned so much about riding and tacking up and grooming horses and everything just from reading books. And so I wanted to create stories that have that same feel where you're learning without realizing you're learning. Like you learn about what it's like to be around horses and how to tackle horse up just from reading the book. And so that's, it was, it's kind of like a love story to my sixth grade self. Um, like us, we did this and, and you know, these are the lessons I learned along the way. So that the next sixth grade horse obsessed girl 
can learn and live vicariously. Or little girls like me too, Sarah, whose daddy said no every time I came to ask yeah. for a horse. But it wasn't in his defense. I mean, it really wasn't a good fit for our family um, at the time. And my parents knew nothing about horses. It would have been a terrible idea. But I probably would have really enjoyed, um, you know, diving into a series or a book like that just to sort of, again, like you mentioned, live kind of vicariously through that. You have two small children. How old are, how old are your kids, Sarah? My kids are 10 and 7, and they're my biggest fans. So um, it's been really fun to do this journey with them and, and them get to see their mom as an author. That's been, like, probably my favorite part is to see their pride when they're in front of their classmates and stuff. Well, do they have? Do you still have horses in your life? I do. I am one of these people. For, there's about two months where I didn't have a horse. And it was the hardest two months of my life. I was like, I can't do this. I need a horse back. Um, I just, I think God made me to need a horse in my life. So I do. I have right now two horses. I have one named Danny, who's 40 years old, and a 17-year-old named Silas. And they're both off-the-track thoroughbreds. Ever since I worked at the track, I have a passion for the race horses. And so I like to help give them second careers when they're done racing. Have your children gotten the horse bug that you have? I mean, again, I don't know a child that wouldn't love horses, but it sounds like you had a real connection to them in a different way. Have you passed that on, or do they just enjoy the fact that there's, you know, some fun pets in the backyard? It is yet to be determined. My son definitely does not have the horse bug. My daughter thinks she does, but she's seven, and so I'm waiting it out to see how committed she really is. Well, it is a commitment. That's what my daddy kept telling me, Sarah. Are you going to get up and and feed it? Are you going to, you know, exercise it? Now I know that's galloping. Do you are you going to, you know, do all the things that they, you know, that they require? But there are a lot of life lessons. Share with us one of your life lessons out of your book, uh, Bar- it, Stories from the Barn Isle. Oh my goodness, there have been so many life lessons with horses. Um, one of them, one of the funny ones is. Never take a horse off of a ra- off of a horse trailer on a road trip. Um, I was naive. It was actually when I was moving up to Kentucky, and I thought, I'm tired of driving. I need to stretch my legs. My horse probably needs to stretch his legs, too. It was my first long-distance journey pulling a horse trailer, and it was a bad idea. You do not ever pull a horse off the horse trailer because then they're like, I don't want to get back on, and you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's a horse that will not get back on the trailer. I feel like I laugh at your expense a lot, Sarah, which I think is where yeah. the word humor and grace comes in, uh, the title of your book for good reason. But all life lessons are bought and paid for. And so That's I can real. imagine, yeah, once they get out, they're like, no, nah, girl, I ain't getting back in that little that little uh, hole. You're not putting me back, um, at least without a fight. Yeah. So. Yeah. so It was like over an hour, I think. And we had like people sitting on a curb watching us and i uh it was crazy so (laughs) where can we get where can we get the book sarah um so the book is available on amazon you just if you go to amazon you can search stories from the barn aisle or you can search my name sarah hickner i actually have also come up with a couple journals because in the process of writing or in the process of learning to write again, I've learned so many things that they either they didn't teach me in English class or wasn't paying attention. I'm not sure. And so I made a couple of journals um, that are all about teaching people to write better, um, whether it's a kid or an adult who's ready to, to get better at writing. And so it's some of the lessons that I've learned in the last couple of years, and I put them into journals along with writing prompts and stuff. 
So, but it's all available on Amazon. If you just go to Amazon and search Sarah Hickner, all three books will pop up. So I'm curious, what's one of your what's one of your tips to be a better writer? Um, well, one that you'll hear a lot is show don't tell, and that took me a little while to figure out. Um, but it's one of my favorite ones because you could say something like it's really hot outside, and that would just be telling you it's hot, or you could say the sweat was dripping down my face, and uh, and I was could have squeezed sweat out of my shirt. You know, it's all about showing the story instead of just telling the story. And that's one of my favorite ones. And when I go back through my memoirs, that's basically what I'm doing every draft is going back through making sure I'm not telling you the story, but I'm showing it to you so you feel like you're in it. So you mentioned it took 10 years to get this one to publish, or it came through your 10-year journey to get your memoir out. Will it take another 10 years to get Finding Gideon? To us? I hope not. I'm working really hard to be done with edits by the end of December, and then I'll start the process of getting it ready for publishing with professionals. So then I'll, I'm probably going to do a Kickstarter to um, raise the funds for editor and cover design and stuff like that. Um, I actually have a free short story available on my website if people want to read my stuff and not pay anything yet. Um, and just check it out and see if it's for you. But my website is liveridelearn.com. Um, but that's also where you'll find updates on Finding Gideon. I try to keep people updated through my newsletter on where it is. But right now, I think I just have one draft left, and then it will be going to an editor and a designer, and we'll be getting it out. I'm hoping, secretly even hoping, I could have it out by Derby Day, because that's always been a holiday for me, is the Kentucky Derby. And so I want to be able to launch my book by Derby Day. Well, Sarah, I learned a new word today, which is what galloping horses mean, or I guess phrase. And if my daughter ever comes to me and tells me she's leaving to do that, I'm going to lock her in her room. (laughs) (laughs) You just need to pray for her. I feel like you can't. It's one of these things. I'm so grateful that I did it. I I would rather have lived through the experience and the pain than to spend my whole life wondering what if. Yeah. But it was definitely not as fun as I thought it would be. It was a lot harder. Well, I love your story, and I'm just kidding about my kid. I think it's great <laughs> that you ch- you chased your dreams, and congratulations on the book, and come visit us the next time you're here visiting your mama. Alright, thank you so much for having me on. It's been fun chatting. Alrighty, y'all stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. You can watch good things. We are on your computer, even your mobile device, over at supertalktv.com. Now, starting tomorrow at 6 p.m., you get the latest election results here on Supertalk Mississippi as the polls close across Mississippi and the nation. Plus, Supertalk Mississippi News will bring you coverage of Mississippi's election results. It's one of the most important midterms elections ever, and we will have you covered, but not here on good things. We have managed to make it almost an hour and not talk politics. 
But I am going to talk sports. I usually pride myself on staying away from that topic, too. Leave it for the boys, but I just can't. If you've been over to the Good Things Facebook group, you will see that, man, the Mississippi ladies are really racking up the headlines when it comes to soccer. I'm so surprised by this. I guess partly you just don't know what you don't know. And maybe they've always been out there kicking tail and taking names. Um, and then, you know, you get a little more connected with the sport because we love you, Rhino. At least that's how I feel. And so I see it more, I think. But the first one being, I guess, a little while back ago, both Ole Miss and Mississippi State soccer qualified for SEC quarters for the first time since 2004. Now, I don't know when that when the quarters have started or if they've started. Uh, the biggest news out of that, and I haven't kept up with Ole Miss soccer, forgive me, I'm a state fan, but the, the Hell State ladies soccer team is actually waiting till 3 o'clock this afternoon for the NCAA selection show that will be telling them if and when they will be moving on to the uh, the next round of the postseason. That's pretty impressive. To play in the tournament. That's pretty cool. And then you'll also see headlines like Holmes Community College Women's Stalker. They came out on top. They were MACCC champions, region I think it's 13 champs, or maybe it's seven. I can't ever get my Roman noodles correct. <laughs> but they're the champs. And that's well, if there's all. an X in there, it could be 13. It's XX111. I can always forget, do you add if it's behind? I know it's 10. You add if it's after. So XX is 20. Okay, and so 23. There you go. Math is hard. You know, you start throwing in those letters and things into math, it makes it even harder. But they are the Gulf South District Champs. Let's add it that. And their next stop is going to be Arizona. And then Mississippi College Lady Choctaws, their soccer team won their conference title in the Gulf South Conference also. And then women's, Mississippi University of Women's, they're team is playing Friday morning in a playoff game as well. And then to the big headline, continue with ladies soccer. Like, I'm not sure what's in the water here in Mississippi. but Well, I, like I mean, it. the World Cup is right around the I corner. Was, we were getting there. We were totally getting there. But the 2022 SWAC soccer champions is Jackson State. They defeated Grambling State in extras 4-2 to to claim the first SWAC title since 2013. I think it's really cool that the ladies were able to to do that and sort of pull it off. And so, wow, like, what have I been missing, Rhino? I mean, is ladies soccer here in Mississippi, at least at the collegiate level, either junior college, obviously, and then, you know, our universities, has it always been this, you know, just not celebrated enough but good? Not necessarily. There has been a, a rise in the the skill level and the attention being paid to it. If I'm not mistaken, Mississippi State soccer saw record-setting attendance this season. So it's it's relatively new, the success. But with success comes all the positive attention. Absolutely. I think it's really cool. And it also gives our young girls here in Mississippi somewhere to stay if they want to continue uh, you know, to grow in their sport, but then also stay a little bit closer to home for their higher education or to get better scholarship opportunities. I don't know what that necessarily looks like in the sport of soccer. But I'm sure there's something um, out there oh, yeah. in, in in that respect. And if we can keep tooting the ladies' horns when it comes to sports, I saw we're the only woman in NCAA history to fire a perfect score three times was from Ole Miss Air Rifles a team. Her name is Lee Horvac. I think is how you say her last name. She's from Hungary, so we're going to leave her high school name to your imagination. If you, 
Um, but I've always been impressed with, uh, you know, with Ole Miss's air rifle team, at least the, the ladies. I mean, I just shared not too long ago the headline where um, I think her name is Allie. She won Worlds, um, you know, where although Mississippi wasn't her home, it was while she was here for her four years and on on the Ole Miss air rifle team. And now you have Miss Lee, who has done something never done before. And I don't know a whole lot about that particular sport other than the fact that a perfect score is really, really, really hard to do. And so to be able to have done that three times, that's pretty doggone impressive. I would say you could put uh, a perfect score in something like tic-tac-toe where they didn't even have a chance. That's probably the easiest. And then you have... Like perfect score in bowling, bowling a three hundred. That's that's pretty difficult, but it's been done quite a few times by everyday average Joes on league night. It's still rare, it's still impressive, but it's been done. And then you have stuff like perfect scores in air rifle, where it's just super rare because it's such a small margin for error, right? Like I think oh, that's yeah. that's the that's the whole point. And then everything has to go like your bot your body, mind, trigger, finger, whatever that is, all has to be sturdy, secure, and, you know, you blink wrong, and then it's... There's a reason those air rifles look like futuristic technology, because it it really does take all that minutia to get fixed and situated and zeroed in to, to get that perfect score. So that's probably like one in a million, and it feels like maybe one in the lottery is one in the million because the big one's coming up tonight. I know you've been following it. Everybody has. But here's a headline that you may not have heard connected, not to this lottery, but just to a lottery in general. And I thought, you know what? If I, well, I can't tell you that because then you're going to know if you see it. Well, that's fine. I will wear it with pride. But do you see the headline where the lottery winner wore a mascot costume to hide the jackpot from his family? So this was over in China. <laughs> I did see this one, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize he showed up in a mascot costume. I just saw the headline where he was hiding it from his wife and kids. Yes. So a lottery winner in China, he wore a mascot costume to claim his $30.6 million lottery jackpot in order to keep his wife and children from finding out about the prize. And he identified only by this suit, whatever, uh, Lee. is the, was the It's a big, furry, yellow and orange, fluffy-headed-looking stuffed animal furry thing and he said he had been playing the lottery for about 10 years using the same numbers and he recently spent 11 dollars. he bought 40 tickets bearing his lucky numbers for the same drawing and he ended up winning 765 thousand dollars no yes for a total of about 30.6 million i don't know how that works but anyway he said i don't want nobody to know this is me but i guess in china they don't have a you can defer your name and identity which i think in mississippi no not in china (laughs) they got cameras that can tell you who you are and whether or not you cross the street illegally so he showed up to collect his prize wearing a bright yellow cartoon mascot costume he said he wanted to keep his jackpot a secret from his he said i have not told my wife or my children i am concerned that they might feel superior to other people and will not work or study hard in the future is what he said hey i think it's genius Right. Until where do you what do you do with the costume? And then how do you you feel like from a detective standpoint, his family could be on to him. Right. Because eventually you're going to let that money slip. You're going to be buying things. You're going to be a little more relaxed around like tense times of the year. 
Like, oh, yeah, just go ahead and buy the extra Christmas presents or, you know what, you do need a new pair of shoes, babe. Go treat yourself. And it's like, you, you won it. You won the $30 million. I knew it was you. It looked like you in that yellow and orange fluffy costume. I would do it. That way you just have no idea who's behind you. I think that's totally, totally genius. And I saw all, I love it whenever you have the record-breaking Powerballs. I think it rises to $1.9 billion. With Just B. shy of two, so it very well could be two by the end of it. Which is, you know, I've never ridden down the highway and saw just a two up there. You know, we've seen one once or twice now in the last couple of years, but we've never just seen a two, I don't think. Nope, this is the highest, and it's 1.9, so. I appreciate all the people who go to great extents to all the statistics and the math and to figure it out. I did see one, and I didn't didn't collect it, but basically they went through all the numbers and all the scenarios of all the numbers that could potentially win. And if you spent something like $750,000 in tickets, you're almost guaranteed to win it. Like that's almost what it would take, which would be an investment, you know, which would return in your investment. Hey, Elon. $2 billion. Let me hold a dollar. You got it. He He can afford it. It's like. I'll pay you back. (laughs) <laughs> I think someone said, yes, I'll pay you back on Tuesday. You just go on and sow that seed in there for I'll split it with you. You can have your 750000 back, and then we will split what the one Heck, I'll give you back a million. I'll, I'll give you back some investment. with interest for the investment. You just let me hold it. <laughs> Folks with $750,000 in the bank aren't playing the lottery, people. Or if they are, it's the $11 or $12 fun bet, right? And then, you know, they'll be the ones that end up winning it, though. Just watch. Somebody who somebody who doesn't need it. <laughs> Stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. And stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget, it's AARP during National Family Caregivers Month. Be sure to visit aarp.org slash Mississippi or the AARP Mississippi Facebook page to find info and resources to help you on your caregiving journey. And Carrie McCombs says the lottery combination to buy to win that I saw was $585 million to guarantee you would win the Powerball. You may be correct. I may I may have been an extra comma there, and I just didn't see it. They may have added $750 million. You start throwing in all those commas and my mind just starts going blank anyway because I ain't got that kind of cash <laughs> to be gambling with uh, anyhow but you you do think you wonder if somebody would you know put that to the test other than it would be really bad if you put 585 million dollars into tickets and whenever then- you're gaming any kind of lottery or sweepstakes or anything like that I always think back 
was it Real Genius was the movie with Val Kilmer with the space laser and the popcorn, but besides that, he had the, the weird guy living in the closet of his dorm room that was gaming sweepstakes. He was filling out, because you hear if all these little sweepstakes, it's like, you, no purchase necessary. You just fill out a self-addressed stamp envelope and send it into this and wait four to six weeks. He was just doing that over and over and over again to win all kinds of stuff. And then at the end of it, he rolls up and he's just loaded down with free stuff he won by gaming the sweepstakes. So two things. Number one, no purchase necessary. That is a pet peeve of mine with all these car washing places that says free vacuuming on. That's lies. I should take them to court. Somebody should. <laughs> it should read free vacuuming with purchase of car wash because that's technically not free vacuuming because if you show up just to try to vacuum your car out they're with free vacuuming, they're going to be upset with you. So number one, poor PR. False advertisement. Number two, <laughs> from a friend's perspective, not mine, I wouldn't have done that ever. Yes. Um, the other thing, though, is in there somebody, and there's a Netflix series or something on, it's an older couple, it's an older man and woman who gained the lottery and they got caught doing it. And I don't know if they knew it was illegal or whatever, but they were they were pulling it. Now they weren't winning like 1.9 billion, but they went they won a couple million. It was in a small town, and they it's made a movie. Jerry after and it. Marge go large, starring Brian Cranston and Annette Bening. Yeah, and it's based like, on the real life lottery winnings of Jerry and Marge Selby, a couple who discovered and took advantage of a mathematical loophole in the lottery. Yes. And two, there was another series done on, you you notice McDonald's doesn't do their, um, the monopoly, the monopoly anymore because people were figuring out how to, well, that actually, I don't, I I don't know that they've made a show about it, like a comedic show, but I think there was a documentary or something to it. Cause yeah, the guy in charge of security basically for the, the winning pieces was basically just giving them to friends and family. That's why you never saw Boardwalk show up when you had Park Place. Okay, I knew there was a twist to it. Yeah, he he was handing out the winning pieces to friends and family, and you really didn't have a chance. Yeah. I'm with Jeff in Oxford. Why do psychics not win 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 every lottery? Hmm. I don't know. But you would think that they would have the upper hand. So to speak, or maybe the dead doesn't know what the lottery numbers are going to be either. <laughs> I don't know. But speak- whatever happened to Miss Cleo? <laughs> I don't know. But tomorrow, I guess tonight slash in the morning, though you don't have to have a ticket to get out and see. I don't even want to say the name, but it's a full blood beaver moon. What? Who named it? Why? But it's on the way tonight. It is a total lunar eclipse. Will grace our skies early in the morning. The moon will be setting in the western sky by the time the maximum eclipse is occurring. So if you want to get out, you should be able to have an obscured view if you have a good view of the sky. And because it's supposed to be at least here in central Mississippi, mostly to partly clear in the morning. And so, yeah, I don't think the next one is going to be until March of 2025. Yeah, this is the last full lunar eclipse that we'll be able to see for the next three years is this the thing you can look at or no yes you can look at a lunar eclipse which can you not look at you can technically look at a solar eclipse but it's not advisable to stare directly at the sun because it can damage your eyeballs well i know that but so that's the which one can you not look at you don't want to look at a solar eclipse got it okay i need flashcards pictures of the moon it's always safe to look at the moon Okay, not the sun. It's not very safe to stare at the sun. (laughs) 
Which that was the thing. I remember we went on a field trip to the the weather station in elementary school on the day of an eclipse, and they were talking all about it, and everybody was very adamant. Don't look at the sun. And I was convinced as an elementary school kid that it was some sort of magic thing that was going to happen, where if I raised my eyes to the sky, I was going to be struck blind and never be able to see again. Bubba from Meridian. They took down the sign in Meridian, free vacuums at the car wash, because it's lying. It's false advertisement. It needs to add with purchase. You cannot just show up and vacuum your car for free. They get very angry about that, which makes no sense. It says free vacuum. I'm just glad I wasn't the only one that I just need to get that off my chest. (laughs) Stick with us. You got more coming up next with the boys with sports talk from three to six. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at two. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.